Hello everybody and welcome to Lay Flag, the aftermatch podcast of the LFC Red Poets. This morning we are looking back at the last two Liverpool games against Arsenal and last night's victory against Burnley. And I'm your host Les Lawson and I'm joined today by my partner in crime Pete Warburton, Mike Wilson and a special guest John Rogers who will be on for the, for the first part of the podcast who's, who's just recently home from Australia for a few weeks. So, lads, before we start tonight, I think that um, you know we'll all send our condolences to Tommy on the loss of his of his father-in-law, who passed away on Christmas Eve. That's why we didn't do an aftermatch of the of the Arsenal game out of respect. And Tommy, you know, and it, and his wife Sue, and all the family, everybody at the podcast sends our condolences to you. So. We'll now move on, and I'll start with you, Pete, on this one. Um, the team against Arsenal, we were on an hour and about a couple of players. You know, when we were when we were sort of discussing our starting eleven in the preview show, and we got quite close. I think, didn't we, mate? Yeah, I'm trying to remember back because it was the batch before last. I think there's always like uh, an either or at centre back to partner Virgil. Um, obviously. I think the rest of the back four picked itself with, with Simicass and, and, and Trent. Uh, and he plumped for Canate for that game. And I thought he had a decent game against Arsenal. I thought he played well. Midfield was possibly, as we suggested, um, Endo's sort of the first pick for number six whilst McAllister's injured. Um, and then Sobers, Lyon, Jones. Um, and then it was just really a case... We I think we, we knew Diaz... And Salah would start. It was a case of whether Gakpo started or um, or Nunes and any plump for Gakpo for the starting lineup. So it looked a pretty balanced and, and strong lineup at a kickoff time. Yeah, Mike, and it was <laughs> to say it was a difficult start for us would be the understatement, really, wouldn't it? They come out and you know they really got us for the first sort of ten minutes, um, and. Probably deservedly went one 0 up, but the goal we conceded was a little bit of a mess. Let us say with your poor marking from the from the set piece, and you know Wally didn't sort of cover himself in glory either, did he, mate? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's it, it it it's not always easy to see from my my uh, vantage point in the the lower Kenny, but the the the, the goal. But you're right about the the, the start. Arsenal. I mean. You have to accept that Arsenal are a really good team. Um, we had to start quickly, and we didn't. But that's largely because they didn't let us. They, you know, they they played really well. We came out. Uh, it's not a question of wanting it more, but they came out uh, and started really well, and it put us under pressure. Um, I'm not entirely convinced about the free kick that they got. They scored from, but. Uh, um, they did score, and like you say, Ali was a bit caught in two two um, minds in terms of what he was trying to do. And yeah, it was a bit of a blow to get behind after five minutes from their, so- from their only shot on target in the game. Yeah, that's true, John. So, how did yeah. it feel then to be to be back home and your beloved Anfield again from from deep down under? It, it must have been it must have been a really sort of you know, great experience to be back here, to be back at your second home again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it felt fantastic, Les. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, I got off the plane at about quarter one on Saturday and I hadn't told them I was coming home. I just, uh, anyway, so I dropped my bags in, said surprise, and then said I'm off the match, as you do. Um, yeah, <laughs> as regards, like, what you spoke about, I thought the selection was probably about right. You know, like, like exactly, you know, the, the one or two either oars were in there, you know, and I'm not, I'm not anti Jones, but it was Jones and I, an either or, and and probably Gakko was an either or with Nunes, and but I thought, you know, um, I didn't, I wasn't disappointed with the original, you know, eleven, and I thought that maybe, you know, Arteta and you know, and his former coach, you know, who used to be the second in command, to are more than aware of the, you know, the the Anfield fast starts, and they did combat that really quite well and they made the quicker start I think that was you know like the part of their you know their previous experience at Anfield said you know as coaches have said or, or and assistant coaches they've been they bore the brunt of fast starts at Anfield and they sort of came out and almost beat Liverpool at their own game as regards the fast start Um, yeah was, the, was it a free kick you know with red tinted glasses I'm probably not but you know it it was he gave it and they scored from it, but then I thought we picked ourselves up quite well. And yeah. then, you know, for the second half, of the first half, and the first half, and the second half, we were miles better than them. And then they yeah. sort of crept back into it. They're a good team. But let's yeah. not forget that. You know. So, yeah. yeah, it was a game, Pete, wasn't it? Between two really top teams that you could see, you know, have have real aspirations of being, you know. You know, in the forefront, so when the you when the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed at the end of the season on who's going to be champions, they they looked they looked a much more efficient side than than they did last season. Declan Rice has made a great deal of difference to them, but I, you know, as as John said, there after the first 10, 15 minutes, Liverpool seemed to get back in the game and started to take. Your control of the game and had a couple of half chances, but didn't really make the most of them. Then we have the first, which will go to all three of you on next. So if you can just talk about this incident, each of you, without sort of going further on, the the sort of basketball handball by Odegaard, you know, and please try and explain to me, Pete, why a guy sitting in a in a TV studio at Stockley Park, can't see that he's basically been playing basketball in the penalty area and decides that it's not a penalty. Oh, no. <clears throat> I mean, just touching on Arsenal's start, they, they look very accomplished. They, they never once seemed to panic under, you know, when we tried to press them and that, and they were playing. They were playing out from the back, you know, they were using the goalkeeper on goal kicks and then playing it out. And like you say, Rice... Just knits it all together for them, um, and you know they they are an accomplished side in that respect. Whether they can go the whole season and, and do it, I don't know. But uh, yeah, they they look the good football inside. Going back to the the other question, I mean, it was sort of level, more or less level with where I sit in the main stand, um, and to a man, we were up shouting handball, as were the as were the people on the other side in the in the Kenny Dalglish side. It was so obvious. And then you thought, well, you know, they're going to stop the play and review it. And, and we couldn't believe that we got nothing from it. Whether it was deliberate or not, his hand was extended away from his body. 
you know, we've had all these things since. Um, oh, he, he was trying to get out the way. He was trying to do that. There was no two ways about it. He, he, the, you know, it was a penalty, end of. You couldn't argue any other way against it. And to not get anything from the from Stockley Park either to back it up was it was just ludicrous, to be honest. But yeah, I, I thought it was a nailed-on penalty, to be honest. And that's not just because I'm a Reds fan, that's because it, it, it's the way it was, you know. Mike, our old friend David Cute was in the uh, was in in Stockley Park on VAR, and it amazes me to be honest that after his horrendous performance, you know, on VAR in the Derby a number of years ago, when when Virgil basically got assaulted by by short arms, that he was ever allowed to be be on VAR ever again. I mean, that is just an horrendous decision, Mike. You know, there's there's no there's no two ways about it. It was horrendous. And even even Mister Davis, as 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 Jürgen calls him, said when he was doing the reviews that he thought it was a a clear penalty. Um. So, what? Well, give me your two penalty worth. Well, well, it's a penalty. There's there's no two ways about it. Uh, and and their explanation that that he was bringing his arms back to his body, it just compounds it. It, it, it just makes it worse. It, it's interesting how the only person who th- thought it was, uh, or the only two people who think it was a penalty, uh, not a penalty, were uh, Kavana. And, and, and I'll be fair about Kavana. I thought he had a, an okay game, and I think he's having a pretty good season. Um uh, and VAR is in that job to to solve those problems where they where they make a mistake. Maybe he didn't see it. Maybe he was blocked. VAR has got no excuse. David Coop has got no excuse. When Ian Wright, who was doing some American uh, coverage of it with Michael Owen, said it, it, it's the clearest handball you're going to see all season. Um, and 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 like you say, Dermot Gallagher would have given it. And there's a there's an account on Twitter called Ref Support UK who are more inclined to uh, support the on-field refs than Dermot Gallagher, and they say it was a um, it was a handball. You you kind of know, and 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 just for the for the PGMOL to to come up with their excuse, which actually is is not even true. Um, you know that, that he was bringing his arm back because he basically, if he was bringing his arm back purely in one direction towards his own body, why did he hit the ball twice with his hand? Uh, it's it's nonsense and and it's just indicative of the fact that that they are so tied up by process that they forget what football's all about. Yeah, fair comment, Mike. So, John, it's as though. When they when they make a mistake, they send somebody down to to like the the old um the old basement in in the institute, which has got all these dusty old manuals in, and they come out with their book of excuses. So what can we say this time to try and justify another horrendous decision? But it was, wasn't it? It was just a pure pure awful decision. And obviously, from I don't know where you were in the ground, but I was on the cop, and obviously we seen the appeal for the ambor. But unlike unlike Pete, who is with the main stand ultras, you know we couldn't we couldn't see what the appeal was for and how clear it was. 
And then somebody showed us on the phone at half time the actual incident. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like Odegaard wanted to be Michael Jordan and was doing a, a multiple bounce, just waiting him for to have a have a go at the rings, you know, to, to try and get a basket. And cute sat there and he's thinking, nah, nothing to see here, lad. So what was your view? Well, I was on the cop with you, so I didn't sort of see it until I didn't see it till after the game. I saw the appeal and I saw both sides of the group. Round, sort of, you know, make their their appeals or their feelings known. When I saw it, I agree with everything that the lads have said. It was just incredulity. It ticked every box for a penalty. You know, his hand moved towards the ball. It diverted it from its natural path. You know, it prevented Salah from, you know, uh, carrying on a, a potential goal-scoring opportunity. I'm not a conspiracy theorist normally, but... I think there's a button in Stockley Park that just says it's Liverpool bump no penalty. Yeah, you know, or it's Liverpool bump. It's I, 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 no, seriously, Les. I just there is no like you said the man watching it, you know, with the benefits of being able to do so several times over, and he didn't really need it this time. It was that blatant. But if he, yeah. you know, if he could watch it two or three times from several angles, there is no other decision he could have come to than it was a penalty. But you know, only he will know why. Yeah, you know. as they say, only he will know. And we keep getting told all the time, don't we? Oh, it was a human error. So you know, you've just got to, you've just got to get on and accept it. But the way that what I say about it all, and you know, unfortunately, when we're when we're talking about the the Burnley behaviour, uh, look back. Later on, we're going to be talking about VAR again, unfortunately, yeah. which we won't, we won't go into now. But it's just as though, like, you know, as I said when I um, my, my touched on it there, ref support, I, I sent him a message the other day and I said that when Howard Webb is on his on his audio little show that's that sort of all, all nicely worked, so it's in the PGMOL's favour. He comes out and says, oh, we're really happy with the way things are going. Well, if he's happy with the way things are going, then we've got a problem. Because at the end of the day, if they don't recognise there is a problem, it'll never be fixed. Yeah. And as I say, I just think the whole the whole thing is just a show of total and utter incompetence. And they need to get it sorted yeah. out. But moving on from that, Pete, um, you know, about 10 minutes later, you know, an unbelievable pass by Trent, you know, sends Mo away. He, he, he comes inside, you know, leaves Sevchenko and and it's in the, um, it's a tremendous finish, you know, that, that, that puts us deservedly level. Yeah. And at the, at the time, I mean, we were all agog at the pass that Trent did, you know, it was one of his usual 70-yard, 60-yard passes. But I didn't appreciate it so much until I actually got outside the ground and it was blowing a hoolie outside. And for him to, to find that pass in those conditions and then Mo, Mo did what he's done on numerous occasions for Liverpool. He did it against Rome and he did it against Everton. He did it against City. All, all, all these names you can knock off. He, he did what he, he's good at and he come inside onto his left foot and rather than go to the top bin, he, he sort of you know, he thought it was more central in, into the goal, wasn't it? But it was a fantastic finish. But the ball that created the goal, as I say, uh, uh, you, you sort of expect it now of Trent, these raking passes that he does. Um, 
But when we got outside, it was blowing an absolute gale outside. You know, you had to appreciate the standard of football throughout the match. To be honest, it was good. It was good from both sides. But that passed on onto Mo, and then he just turned Shevchen, uh, the, the the what's the name the the fullback. Uh, you know, he he sort of came inside the fullbacks. Tried to show Mo on the outside now, but he he was too quick for that, and the finish was great. And um, we were fully deserving of being uh, equal, you know, going into half time. Yeah, so it's a hell of a goal, Mike, wasn't it? You know, for you know, as as Pete just said, you, you didn't really get the um, really. I mean, the number of people on the cop who sort of had a bit of a grumble when the when Trent played the ball. And then we're oh oh great ball you know what I mean the next thing the balls in the back of the net and then me you know they're eating humble pie so to speak you know <laughs> it was quite it was quite funny to be honest but the division the division of Trent was unbelievable and the finish just matched the pass didn't it Mike? If it were anyone else, I'd say it was unbelievable, but it's totally believable with with, with Alexander Arnold, isn't it? It's interesting. I mean, I, I very close like row three of the lower Kenny in that half of the field, very close uh, up view of it. And when I first, when he first hit it, I thought that's going out. And whether he, cause there was a bit of wind that, um, that, that kind of was blowing in the other direction, whether he knew that, but he was just perfect. But, uh, Zinchenko was sold an absolute dummy, wasn't he? By, uh, um, Mara. once he was past him, he had a free free shot, and uh, like I say, he was right behind it. He, he proper hit that shot as well, didn't he? He absolutely buried that. There was no way a keeper was getting close to that one. So, John, your first your first goal back at Anfield for a while that you've seen and celebrated after the field, mate. It was marvelous. I mean, like the the pass was out of this world. The vision, the weight. You know, the, on the length of pass to, to weight it, so it, you know, it, it, Mo was able to bring it under control the way he did. You know, I know he's an exceptional footballer, so, but it, it was just it, the, the bit that Trent, the part that Trent played in it was, it was just, you know, very much, you know, him. You know, he, he's, he's an exceptional footballer. Um, and the pass was just out of this world. And then Mo does what Mo does best. You know, cut cut in, left the fullback for dead. You know it, and then and then smashed it into the net, and the keeper didn't even see it. You know what I mean? It was it was a fabulous goal, absolutely world class. I thought. Yeah, it was. It it was totally. It was it, everything about the goal was world class, wasn't it? From the from the pass from centre, the finish by Mo, and the power of the shot as well. You know, the keeper, the keeper actually got nowhere near it. It was another one of those. Special Mo Salah goals that that we get, and I just thought that from then on, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool then had control of the game until half time. Peter were lucky, unfortunate, sorry, I should say, not to go to go in ahead of the thought. Based on the balance of that first half, you know that Liverpool probably just about deserved to to be ahead. You know, going into the going into the break and. And had, had that penalty been given, who knows, Mo might never have scored that second goal because, you, you know, that goal because the game might have changed. But, as I say, you know, you, you can't help but look back at that and think, you know, we could have been ahead in the game at half-time. 
<clears throat> yeah, it was like you say, Arsenal from the start came out and um, <clears throat> wanted a fast start. And as I say, possession-wise, they, they're a very, very good side. They're a good passing side. Um, but once we got a foothold into the game, yeah, I wasn't disappointed to go in at 1-1. Um, but at the same, the same time, um, like John was saying, everyone's showing the, the footage at half-time on the phones and you were shaking your head thinking, well, we, you know, we, we should be up here now. Um, but no, I was I was really pleased with the way we came back at Arsenal and 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 got not just a foothold in the game, but we we sort of got on the front foot as well. Um, but they they had a couple of defenders there. Saliba, I think, was one, and 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 the lad who scored um, the other the other centre back, Gabriel. Gabriel, and I think they they were both. They they I mean throughout the team they've got good players but those two specifically when were stuffing out any any real danger but yeah I thought we we got a really good foothold and it was it was a good game to watch it was a good football game but yeah going in at one one half time I wasn't disappointed until I saw the re the replay of the <laughs> of the penalty that never was sort of thing and he thought well you know we should really be two one up here but it wasn't through our own failings really yeah Mike so we come out at the start of the second half and for the first. 10-15 minutes, we've got Arsenal pegged back, but we just couldn't seem to get that final pass right or the bounce of the ball wouldn't, wouldn't go our way. You know, for us to be able to get that that clear-cut opportunity at the goal. And, you know, as Pete said there, quite rightly, you know, both, both Gabriel and Saliba defended really, really well. It's... It, it's... A bit of a failing of us this season, which is which flies in the face of reality when when you look at the fact that we're probably the, the among the leading scorers and and best goal difference, but we 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 are not quite hitting our straps up front, aren't we? At, at the moment, uh, I, I do think we've missed Jota. Um, it, it it can be that way, can't it? it, it if you if you score when you've got the chance. You can kill games off, and I, and I think you said on commentary last night that uh, Klopp's made that that kind of comment as well. We we are running games at times, but we just aren't taking the chances. And whether it's the a, a shot that's not right or the final ball, um, still saw it in bits last night as well. But we still create enough chances. We create enough chances to do this, and we're just. Not quite nailing it, but we're still top of the league. Yeah, so so John, yeah, the start of the second half, you just thought it, it was only a matter of the time before you know we we got the second goal and went ahead and put on Arsenal under real pressure. But as I just said to Mike, then it the number of times the ball just didn't drop to a Liverpool player in the box, or you know the the attempt on goal, you know, wasn't wasn't it the you know. The right attempt, or they they passed instead of shooting, or shot instead of passed. It was a little bit frustrating, but you couldn't argue with the way the way Liverpool played and pushed the really really top side back and made it really uncomfortable for them. Yeah, yeah, I like agree with that. I think as regards the game in particular, yeah, we we created some chances. I thought Joe Gomez when he came on, we had. I haven't mentioned him, was outstanding and uh, did a really great job. In, we contained Arsenal, even though when they sort of came back into the game, like uh, 
was it? I don't know whether it was Mike or Peter said earlier on. They only they scored from their only shot on target, and so we contained them more or less okay going forward. I think we our decisions improved slightly from the ones we made against United in the previous game, where we seemed to shoot from distance too often and it was getting blocked all the time. But you know, we're saying we're sitting here saying you know we're one of the top scorers in the league, we're top of the league. And we still haven't been playing that well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We haven't played to our full potential, I don't believe, for a full game. We, I think on Saturday, we played to our potential for about 60% of the game. And we dominated. We absolutely dominated either side of, either side of half-time. Um, and someone's going to copper hiding this season, I believe. I really do. Uh, especially with Jota's back. He's a little bit more clinical. You know, the... the, the there's been a little bit of wastefulness in front of goal, but we're still scoring goals, despite the wastefulness. That's what I mean. You know, we could score five, six, seven against someone very easily. Uh, you know, instead of scoring two or three and missing a couple of sitters along the way. So, I, you know, you've got to say you've got to be happy with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I have to say, John, you mentioned Joe Gomez there, and from where I was on the cop when he cut in from the left and curled that ball, I actually thought it was in. I did. I did. I he thought it was in, and I thought we were gonna we were gonna witness an historic moment. Joe Gomez yeah. coming a sub and scoring his first goal. I robbed Joe's moments that never happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but no, you're spot on there with everything you say, Pete. And then we made substitutions, which you know, <laughs> to be to be fair, I thought that you know when the substitutions were made. And obviously, you know, we haven't touched on the, the bad injury to, to cost us. You know, and I'll ask you about this. You know, we are on the podcast, you know, early in this season, especially after the the away game in the Europa League. Um, you know, we said he was unselectable. And then it was a massive game for him, I think, against Manchester City. And he, he, he come through that with flying colours. And ever since then, he played really, really well, very consistent. And it been... I proved he was a valuable deputy to to Robbo, and then he gets that horrendous injury that's give us a, an issue now at left back. But the other thing I want to ask you about as well the other substitutions with Louis Diaz went down and got a knock on his knee. Glad that he's okay. <clears throat> but the, the substitutions we all agreed about, and everybody by me was saying, "Yeah, we agree with the three players that are coming on. The three were going off." But the subs never really worked, did they? It seemed to it seemed to go the other way. I think you know Curtis going off. I thought he was having a particularly good game um, and controlling things in the midfield. And when Graf come on, I thought we lost a bit of that control and Arsenal started to to come back in the game. Yeah, <clears throat> it's odd really because there's been substitutions previously in the season where you've said, "What's he doing? Why is he bringing an X on for Y and that?" And it's worked, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, but we we were all in agreement by us because it, we all you know you always have your your after match inquest walking back to the pub and that, and we said it was when cases went off, um, we just seemed to lose that little bit of momentum going forward, um, he, you know whether he was tired or whether he thought bringing uh, Gravenberch on, um, you know he is a good ball carrier and he does run at teams and maybe Klopp's thinking was he was going to run at the back four that way. But yeah, it, it seemed to we did seem to stutter after that a bit, didn't we? Um, it was just 
like you say, with Costas, it was just unfortunate. I, I don't think there was any malice in the challenge, to be honest. I think I think it was Saka, wasn't it, who, who, who sort of went into him. But I, I certainly don't think there was any malice. Um, <clears throat> and he also took Jürgen out with the same thing, didn't he? He took him <laughs> out. Um, but it's such a shame, because like you say, we were a little bit apprehensive prior to the City game, thinking, you know, he, you know, they might target Costas. And he came through it really well. And since then... He has been playing well, and it's just such a shame, like that he's going to be out long term with, um, you know, with, with a bad injury. Someone by us said Jerry Vern wouldn't have gone off; he'd have just got on with it and played the game. You know, but <laughs> yeah. When we, when we found out, it, when we found out it was a collarbone, you know, someone said Jerry Vern wouldn't have even gone off. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a few weeks, and hopefully. Hopefully, Robbo shouldn't you know, hopefully not be too far away from getting back to full fitness. And but like um, like John said, you, you know Joe Gomez came on and he played. He was excellent. And you know, I, I've said in the past, you sort of not worry, but you, I think you lose a little bit with Joe with him being right-footed playing in the left-back position. But in fairness to the lad, I thought he came on and did really well. Um, so I think Joe Gomez has probably got the left back spot nailed on for until it takes Robbo to get fit again. Yeah, that's a cue for you, Mike, because that's your biggest nightmare, isn't it? Nothing against Joe Gomez because I, I know you, you rate him as a player, but you don't really like him at left back because he's not naturally left footed. But for the foreseeable future, you know, that's what we're going to have. You know, left back. And the, the concern is, of course, is that. You know, how many games can he play on the bounce before Robbo comes back? And, and none of us really know how close Robbo is to, um, you know, to getting back. I mean, I speak to um, Ivor Hanrahan on on Twitter, who's a, who's a GP, and I've asked him, and he, he's been consistent all along, saying that it's going to be February before we see Robbo back. And I suppose the, the danger we have is, is that if we do rush him back, perhaps a little bit sooner than, than we would have done at Costas not being injured, then the arm could go again and then we're, we're going to be further up, you know, shit creek, so to speak. So, <laughs> so yeah, so, but I thought, I thought in the game against Arsenal, you know, I thought Joe Gomez was magnificent, to be honest. And, and you know, when we saw to name our man of the match in a few minutes from that game, I think Joe's going to be in the, in the conversation. I think the thing about Joe is that he's often been brought from nowhere to play left back, but he's played a lot of games at right back and shown that he's in form. And actually, you know, yes, I have said that I, I don't want to see him there, but actually he was brilliant. Uh, and, it, and it almost helped that he was right-footed uh, playing against Saka. He gave Saka absolutely nothing. Because obviously Saka will try and move on his left foot, which was Joe moving onto his right foot, and and he played superb. And actually, uh, as an attacking force going wide, he's not great. But actually, in the last couple of games, he's had situations almost cutting in like a like an inverted winger uh, on on his right foot. Like you said, he nearly scored with the one uh, curling to the back. I mean, you know, it it's needs must, but we're grateful the fact that he's a pretty good player. Um, and uh, you know, I, I read the other day that Robbo, you said Fe February, and I, I read that 
they're targeting the Chelsea game, which is uh, the last day of January for Robbo. Well, we're also fortunate there's a winter break in there. There's a couple of um, uh, League Cup semis against teams that um, a team that we should be able to beat. So if we can get a decent lead in the first leg uh, against Fulham, then maybe Luke Chambers can play and can start in the away leg. Um, I'm su- a bit surprised not to see him on the bench, actually, um, given the, the kind of lack of options that we've got in that position. Um, but we've got the, the two games. There's an away game against uh, Bournemouth. There's a, there's a home game. I think we talked about it last time that the FA Cup, not really that bothered about that, to be honest. Um, we'll just play that and see how it goes. Uh, but there aren't that many games in uh, in February. And if we and if we were to lose in the FA Cup, then we have another free weekend, don't we? So uh, I think he'd be fine. You're only asking him to play five or six games. Uh, with with reasonable gaps in between, so I don't think I don't see that being an issue if you want to play Gomez every game. Yeah, John. So, so we we're it, the game. The game has changed a little bit after our substitutions, but then we have a break from a corner, and it's like the charge <laughs> of the life life brigade. It's like it's like a hundred meter sprint, and Mo's ahead of everybody, and the one who gets up alongside him was Trent. And just as, I mean, it, I didn't realise until I actually seen it on the telly, but just as he's about to hit it, it bounces up. So, which is why he hit the bar. But at that point, you just thought the net was going to bulge in and there was going to be one of the famous sort of bodies everywhere, sort of celebration on the cop with limbs all over the place. But it bounces away off the, off the crossbar and Arsenal get away with one. Absolutely. Um, you know, it was a uh, you know, it fell to the person who you wanted it to fall to, other than Mo. You know, if Mo decided to pass, which he did, it was the right decision. He made the good, he made a good decision because then he just opened the goal up for you know any one of three players to to the right of him, and then it was it fell to Trent, and you think goal, and then when it hit the bar, you couldn't believe it, <laughs> but um, you know. Seasons are made, you know. Some seasons are made and lost, and I hope this one isn't. I know, you know, it it doesn't count too much. Uh, but yeah, it was, you know, it was just, uh, you know, one of those things. That's football in it. But yeah, just quickly on Joe Joe Gomez as well. You know, whenever he plays left or right, you know, he he's replacing, you know. Some of the, either one of the full backs, the best, some of the best we've ever had, and who are probably you know, we've, we've got two of the best, probably top five full backs in the league, maybe even two out of the top three, you know. And, and so, it's he, he's a he's a good, good player in his own right, he's not a, you know, he's not a natural full back, and then when he comes in, you know, his distribution from wide isn't, isn't as good as Robbo, or, or certainly not as good as Trent. But he's a good player and 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 an able deputy until Robbo's fit. And like you said, only bring him in when he's when he's full and ready. Not don't bring him in early and then we lose him for the you know the real the business end of the season. That'd be that'd be you know a tragedy. So yeah, yeah. I think we're okay for now. We've got a, we've got a, 
our depth is being tested to the full, but but it's still there. Yeah. So after that, the game sort of I wouldn't say drifted, but there's a little bit more to it and throwing Peter. And next thing, you know, the final whistle goes and we go out with a one-one draw, which to be honest, wasn't the you know, wasn't the worst result result. You have you have a bit of a regret because you thought that you could have you could have won it and gone gone top of the league and being top of the league at Christmas. But being only one point off the top, I think we would would have settled for that. You know, at the start of the season, as we've all said, it was a hell of a football game, and two really good teams going toe to toe with each other. So you couldn't. I thought it was a really decent performance from Liverpool, and Arsenal sort of played equally well. So you couldn't really sort of have too many complaints. No, there, I mean there was a bit like you say that. You always feel a bit disappointed, especially when you'd only get a draw at home. Um, but when you sit down and analyse it, you know, properly, it, it wasn't an unfair result. I mean, the penalty shouts apart. Um, we did play it against a really good football inside there. I think that they played the best football without hurting us, but the, the technically the best football. Like you say, Rice in the midfield, Odegaard and Havertz. It's, it's a really good midfield trio. Um, and you've always got threats of Saka and Martinelli from the flanks, and I thought our defence played them really well. I think John said they, they they were limited to the one one or two chances on targets. So yeah, it was it was it was a footballer's it was someone who appreciates football. It was a good game to watch, you know. Either way, we had some good spells. Arsenal played some nice tidy football, and as I say, although you're disappointed at the final whistle, especially with with the one crashing against the bar, um. I think that you know when you wake up the next morning and think back on it, you think, yeah, it was maybe a fair result in the light of the day. You know, they're they're a good side, Arsenal, but whether they've got it in them to last the whole season, it's around this time of the year that Arsenal normally at the at the the Jesses don't these January February time. So we'll see, especially with them still being in Europe, and um, I mean they'll be out the FA Cup in the next round. I've no doubt about that. So you know we'll. Um, We'll see how they get on with with extra games, but yeah, they're they're a good. He's got them playing well, and um, you know they've come to Anfield before and been absolutely played off the park, even with good players. But he, he's got them playing well, Arteta. So yeah, it was a fair result. I think. Yeah, fair result, mate. I'd I'd say so. Yeah, uh, uh, like you said, if they'd given the penalty, it, it might have changed the whole set of events, and Mo might have scored. Yeah, I'd say fair result on the on the on the play. Fair result, John. Yeah, overall on the balance. I mean, you know, we were unlucky with certain decisions and but the bob the bounce of the ball. But it was an outstanding game of football against played by two very good teams. And and yeah, it was it was a fantastic game just to be at. It, it, it really was. And you know, we've shown that we belong up there challenging with City and um, and Arsenal. And I think it'll go down to the wire. I really do. Pete, so I'll go with you first on this one. Who was your, who was your player of the match? Um, <clears throat> two or three good good shouts, to be honest. The thought obviously Salah played well, as usual. Hard work and self. Scored that goal, almost set up the winner for Trent. Um, I thought Endo had another tidy game in the middle of the park. Um, and although 
he didn't really hurt us that much, Arsenal. I thought that was because of the way our defenders played, and I thought Ibu had a cracking game at centre-back. So I'd probably give the nod to Canasi. OK. Mike, who are you going with? Yeah, I... I... To- totally agree with with Pete. Canate was my man of the match. I thought Joe Gomez was was good, and I think Endo deserves being called out because he he was taking an awful lot of stick. But the last few games, he's looked so much more at home. And who knew you have to give people a chance to settle in? Eh? Who knew? But uh, there's a lovely little montage of Canate uh, against Martinelli. Martinelli that's been on Twitter. And he gave him nothing, and they had to take him off in the end because he got absolutely nothing. Uh, so, Ibu, I don't match. John, who are you going for, mate? Yeah, I, I find it difficult to disagree. No, we haven't mentioned him throughout the whole podcast, but Canate was outstanding. And yeah, the, you know, he totally blunted everybody. There were several mentions, you know, Endo playing against you know you've got to look at who he was playing against as well yeah. you know Odegaard and Rice and he showed himself you know really well he's coming on and when he first signed him I noticed his stats were off the chart but in a lesser league and it doesn't always uh, compute or transfer across to the Premier League but he's improving and that's good uh, Joe Gomez deserves a mention and Salah and Trent you know they made the goal Salah was involved in the penalty almost set trends up but you know it was there's several candidates but I think Canate because like I say they 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 did have parts of the game but we contained them apart from one time very early on when he caused us cold and Canate was the main reason for that I think the whole back four played well but he was the he was the best in the back four and therefore the best man of the match for me yeah so as I say you know you've mentioned all the candidates I'd like to throw Joe Gomez in as I mentioned before because yeah. When he come on, I thought he was excellent. But I thought, you know, it was an all-round good team performance. Um, all the ones that you've all mentioned there, you know, were rightly in the frame. But I think you have to make it a full house and go with Ibu because I thought that Canate was absolutely tremendous. And it was by far, I think, his best game, probably not just of this season, but of last season as well. And I hope that sort of bodes well now for the rest of the campaign because... We hadn't really seen the best of Ibu since, you know what, since he was man of the match in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. So hopefully now, um, you know, that'll be, that'll see, be his upturn in form and we'll say, you know, the real Ibu, the Ibu that we see against Arsenal all the time now. And if we do, that's a tremendous asset to have, you know, within the back, the back four. So yeah, so we then, Moved on now to to our Boxing Day game at Burnley, Pete. So again, there were five changes. So what did you make of the start lineup? Uh, I probably didn't expect that many changes. In fairness, but it was a nice balanced side once again. It was the is it going to be Quanser or Canarsi at, at centre back? I think the only thing with Canarsi, as much as we've just eulogised about his performance against Arsenal, I think he, if if games are coming thick and fast. I think there is a little bit of doubt over his fitness to to perform two ninety minutes, you know, within quick succession. So Quanza comes in and and with this kid, you you just don't worry. To be honest, you don't think he's gonna ever gonna be out of his depth. Um, Gavin Bertinelli is starting in midfield alongside Endo. Endo, as I say, has probably got the number six shirt. 
And Tully, unfortunately, goes to the, uh, I think he goes to the Asia Cup or something, doesn't he, with Japan? So he's going to be a miss. And then up front, once again, um, they played Gakpo and Nunes from the start and, and left Diaz on the bench. So once again, a good strong line-up and one you'd expect to, you know, to do the business up at Burnley. Mike, it was good to see Jots on the bench. You know, that was a real boost when they seen the team announced about half past four to see Jota on the bench. There was also a place on the bench for, for Luke Chambers as well. Um, and it was good that Louis Diaz had, had recovered from the, from the bang on his knee to take his place in the squad as well. And, um, yeah, I was quite happy when I seen the side because you just look at Kwanzaa now, don't you, as though he's he's just a, a member of your, of your first-team squad and you know, his performance never never sort of let us down, Touchwood. Yeah, I didn't realise that, that Chambers was on the squad. I must have missed him, but I think that's why he's getting him in there. And, you know, I think if they get a chance, if they'd been 3 0 up, they'd have probably given uh, Chambers a bit of, bit of time, wouldn't they? Um, but uh, Jota, I mean, we've said it before, Jota is our best finisher in the squad, uh, uh, best natural finisher. So to have him back is massive for us. Absolutely massive. We have to we have to manage his game time because he's yet another one of our people that, that consistently gets injured. But uh, it's great to have him back. I, I did think when I saw the, the front three, and when we saw against West Ham them play Nunes on the left and Gakpo in the middle, I did think that they might have gone that way around, but, but they didn't. They went they kind of reverted to, to type and it's probably Gakpo's for best half for Liverpool, apart from the uh, apart from the seven nil. Um, thought he played really, really well. Really unlucky not to be given that goal. Yeah. So yeah, John. So you, you, Darwin starts, and after after about six seven minutes, he scores a lovely goal to take a little bit of the pressure off because he hadn't scored for a number of games to put us one nil up, and then. You just thought it's only a matter of time before the next one goes in. Um, and we should be a couple up at half-time. But, um, as I say, thanks to our friend um, Paul Tierney, who spotted an imaginary foul. And then you know, our other friend, Simon Hooper, who's watching in Stockley Park and watches it numerous times. And I only have to see it once to see that... Um, that Darwin hadn't made any connection at all with the with the defender who just threw himself to the floor, and and the goal is is you know not surprisingly when you see who the official was is this allowed? Mm. Well, the usual suspects, you know, really, uh, <laughs> and the the other thing that you know going back, back a little bit, but the problem with these people is their arrogance knows no bounds. Mate. And so they'll they'll just make the decision, you know. Uh, I was thinking about it. Why don't we um, start a movement to say, well, let's get the best officials in the world. You get the best players in the world come to the Premier League. Sack these are like untouchables. These people don't make them untouchable. You know what I mean? Just um, you know, why can't you have a foreign official in in the in the Premier League? Just because I'm sick and tired of seeing these people. You know, wheel out the same excuse, human error, this, that, and the other. Oh, we're really sorry, da, 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 but they keep on doing it. Just on the 
selection for last night. He picked the team to do a job and they did it. I thought at one time early on that we were going to have one of those hidings that I mentioned earlier on. That we got. I thought this could be the night. This could be a, a seven or eight nil because we started like a train. We, you know, decisions went against us and we also weren't as clinical as we could have been. Hopefully that will change a little bit now. Jota's sort of on the recovery trail and, like you say, manages game time um, and we should reap the rewards. He also has an excellent record in the Cup against Arsenal. <laughs> so I'd play him, I'd play him in the FA Cup. But, okay. Les, I've got, to, I've got to go out and lunch, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I might try and get to see you before I go back. Okay, John, right. John. Yeah, thanks, John. Up to John. All as right. A, we've been made for many years, mate. mate. So, as I say, you, you take care. Ah, uh, yeah, since, since we were 11. Yeah. Thanks, All right, mate. no problem. Anytime. See you, John. Bye, mate. Bye, mate. Right. Cheers. Stay so safe, Pete. lads. Thanks a lot. No, cheers, John. So, Pete, you know, there was the... It was a hell of a goal by, by Nunes, wasn't it? And then in between, there was that just after their keeper produced, I thought, which is one of the saves of the season for Salah. Because when Salah hit that, both me and Jamie were watching the game together, said, get in. And I couldn't yeah. believe that the keeper had saved it. I mean, that keeper, I think he got it. Did he get him from City? Yeah. City? Um, I mean, he kept the score down. You know, John was saying it could have been a cricket score, and it, it probably could have been. He, he kept the score down, you know, for as long as he could. He he didn't look he didn't look old enough to play in goals. To be honest, he was so fresh faced and that he looked like a kid from the youth team, you know. But that was a fantastic save the way he arched his back and and kicked that over the bar because it was pure instinct off Mo, just to get his right foot on it and and guide the ball towards the goal, you know. Um, so. Party is thinking, well, we're so on top, you know, we we could be going in at half time here, two or three to the good. And like you say, they could have brought a couple of the kids on to blood them in, in the second half. But because of the keeper making the saves, he made another good save a bit later on from Endo, low down to his rice. Obviously, there was the Gakpo um, shot that was disallowed. And before what did the you end, make that before... Pete, by the way, sorry, what, what did you make of that decision, especially when it goes to VR? And they uphold it. You just wonder what they're looking at. I think, <clears throat> I think he summed it up after the game in in the in the after match interviews. And I think it was Steve McManaman who pointed it out. He said, "You just look at the reaction of the defender, and he puts his head in his hands because he knows he's made a mistake. He knows he's he's not got there in time. And he, you know, he he was given a got out of jail free card with the decision. I just they." On commentary, he said the referee put the whistle to his mouth immediately. He didn't. It was after the ball had hit the nest. And I, I was fuming, to be honest, as I am most times. But, I mean, there's, there were other decisions through the game. But I'd like you to remind me before we finish on this game, just to mention the ref, because we all know, we all know we've had dealings with him. But just remind me, because there is, there is a couple of things I'd like to mention um, about Tierney. But yeah. Okay. Um, don't worry, Pete, I will not forget. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, it was, as I say, he made another smart save from Endo where he, he tried to steer it into the bottom right. And the keeper was, it's one of these where we seem to get keepers who just have worldies against us when, when we've got so much possession. And I even said to, I said to our Jack at half time, I said, this is like Sheffield United revisited this game where we should be out of sight and we're only one goal up and, and 
so it proved to be, to be honest. I mean, jumping ahead, you know, to the final whistle, we had the majority, we had all the play. I can't remember Burnley having the shot on target. They had a couple of decent chances from headers, from crosses, and the lad, the, the lad on the the lad on the left way, uh, left wing, other base, he was giving Trent a bit of a bit of a time, you know, getting crosses in, but they just didn't have it in them to 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 test um, Ali in goal. But yeah, so you know, you're going one up when you should really think you should be up at least two or three. Um, but their keeper, you know, in fairness to him, he made he made a hand, you know, a, a hatful of saves that were out of this world. But certainly, the Salah one was a fantastic save. Yeah, Mike. You, I mean, first of all, your view on the on the Darwin goal. I thought it was a tremendous finish. But you do wonder, don't you? How you've got, you know, surely Stevie Wonder could have seen that there was no foul on on the Burnley defender when Gakpo scores, right? And yet you've got a so-called elite official who sat in Stockley Park, who looks at that and thinks. Yeah, definitely foul there. Definitely foul there. So we'll disallow the goal. It just, it just goes beyond. It's beyond belief, isn't it? But but then it isn't because of what you actually see, week in, week out. Not just in Liverpool games, but you think back to, you know, to the, you know, to the games the other day where you seen uh, Notts Forest have a, you know, Willie Bolly sends off and he clearly wins the ball, and you're thinking to yourself. Where are these apps? Where are they getting these referees from? I, I think it's as much about the process that they get the refs to. To, to uh, I, I can't. The the, the one at Willy Bolly, you just it was just a, a, a shocker of a decision. But then you've got a process in terms of oh, you can't appeal this, you can't do this, and the AR can't look at this. It, it, it they they wrap themselves up in red tape don't they here? And so this was a, another one of those clear and obvious things. Um, they, the, the guy gave it, right? So you, you can kind of, kind of say that Tierney gave it. He might have seen two people together. You've got to be absolutely certain a foul has taken place to give it. You've got to be certain. So I'm not sure why he gave it because no foul took place. So how can he possibly have been certain? Then you've got the situation where VAR looks at it and says, well, I can see two people together and I don't see enough. But they looked so quickly and they overturned it so quickly. They were so desperate to to kind of agree with the official. And then you get Clappenberg afterwards looking at it going, well, I can't see any, any, any contact. So I... I uh, and they said, well, is it clear and obvious? He said, well, I can't see any contact, so I would say it's clear and obvious. So, you know, just a poor decision. It's just a yeah. poor decision. Yeah. So to go in, to go in, Mike, only, only one nil up, you're sort of thinking to yourself, you know, we've done the hard part here, which is, you know, what you're all talking about before the game is, you know, let's get an early goal. Let's get an early goal and put Burnley on the back foot. And we've done that, but then, and then you think, once you've got the early goal, just get one more, and we can all relax. But we go in at half time, only one nil up, and you're thinking, well, this should still be comfortable. You know, when when the ball wouldn't go in, as Peter said, you know, there was a good save by Endo. 
There was shots getting blocked. There was things bouncing just wide. And the other thing that, that I'm sitting there thinking is, all it takes here is for... <clears throat> and Tierney won't need any excuse. All it takes is for one of their players to go down in the box and Tierney will have... will just point to the spot. And then we could be back, you know, 1-1. And then he will do everything he can then to, you know, to make sure Liverpool don't take the lead. So... So it was, I was slightly worried at half-time that we hadn't killed the game off with you. I was, I was, well, like I say, I likened it to the Sheffield United away game where we literally had all the possession. Um, unlike the Sheffield game, we actually did create quite a few chances. I thought we hooked them, puffed them at Sheffield. But like you say, it just takes one mistake whether it be from an official given a, a you know a penalty for something, or whether it's um, you know whether it's a set piece that we you know a bit like the Arsenal goal that we gave away we just didn't we didn't mark up properly we didn't make the right decision, and you just think just one mistake would undo this and it's it, it was strange actually it was after the uh, the Harvey goal was disallowed which we'll probably talk about in depth we seem to it seemed to affect Liverpool more than it did for Burnley. If, if anything, it gave Burnley a little bit of a fillip and you could hear the crowd getting up. We were quite quiet in fairness all game. Um, and once the Harvey goal was disallowed, it seemed to affect us. And we, without going backwards, we, we didn't seem to have that a little bit of control and we weren't creating the chances anymore. So, yeah, there's always that worry that somewhere down the line, there's just one, one mistake from a player or one bit of brilliance from an op- opposing player or one bit of ambiguity from referees that give you, you know, the wrong decision. Um, so, you know, you, you can sit back after the end of the game and say, yeah, it was a comfortable win, but it's never comfortable at 1-0. I don't care who you're playing against. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Peter. And as I say, just going on into the second half again, we had control for the first part of the second half, Mike. And, you know, I was so relieved to see the... Um, you know, the ball go in when Harvey scored. And I thought to myself, you know, that's it now, can relax. And lo and behold, oh, VAR check. And then when you actually see <clears throat> that the moat had actually been pushed offside by you know, a, a Burnley defender, and, and you, you think to yourself, and then you hear Cottenberg at the end say that... Um, <clears throat> That at the end, at the end of the day, we we've got to apply the rules. So I didn't know it was in the rules that a, def- a, def- a defender could um, could actually push an opponent offside, and then that would that would sort of you know help a goal be disallowed. I've just I've just never never seen the light. So if it's not if he's pushed somebody and they've gone offside, it's affected the play. Because it's affected that phase of play. So maybe it's not enough to give a penalty, but it's what you call it. It's still it's still affected the play because he's pushed Mo into the position where he was offside. But the interesting thing about this is that uh, I, I get what Clartenberg said. If you look at it in terms of the laws, then he is offside would you would you normally for that level of push give a penalty 
No, but there is a loophole to this, and I've been having a protracted discussion with, again, this Ref Support UK um, account this morning. They're totally in agreement with me. They've just literally just reposted my reply um, that if, if you are not going to allow, and they, they, they said they, on that basis, would have allowed the goal. There's, there's another thing as well. He was never getting to that ball. It was less than a second from Harvey's foot into the net. There was no way he was even... You, you know, when you take your driving test and you've got the thinking time before the braking time, he wasn't even getting to that. But that aside, if you aren't going to give that, then the uh, the dog-so rule coming down, the denying of goal-scoring opportunity, that comes into effect because... And I've got the, I've got the law right here. When a player commits an offence against an opponent with his own penalty area, which denies the opponent a goal-scoring opportunity, not just a goal-scoring opportunity, a goal, and the referee, then the referee awards a penalty, the offender is cautioned if there is an attempt to play the ball. Well, there wasn't. And it says, in other circumstances, e.g. holding, pulling, pushing, no possibility to play the ball, the offending player must be sent off. So... If he isn't going to give that goal, he has to send the player off and give a penalty. And like I say, Ref Support UK has just reposted and agreed with that. Wow, that that is a first, mate. That the they're agreeing with something. You know. Uh, what uh, I mean? So, Mike, am I right? Am I right in thinking? I, I I could be wrong. I've skewed, but didn't City get a goal against Fulham in very similar circumstances? Where was it? The but they admitted they, they admitted completely admitted that that was the wrong decision. Right. There was no pushing or anything like that. It no, was but just, the, the line of view was blocked, wasn't it? The line of view was blocked, and he should have been disallowed. That was yeah. just that they admitted that they made the mistake allowing so, that goal. Yeah, so I think for, I think for our non-goal last night, I've got it right. By the letter of the law, Mo was in the line of sight of the keeper, yeah. but he was pushed there. So there were yeah. two things really that should have been looked yeah. at, yeah. 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 So you know, I would have understood if Mo would have just been there and there'd have been no push by the defender. Yeah. Then fair enough, the goal gets choked off. But when he's pushed there by the defender, you can't the def- that that offside is being caused by a defender pushing an opponent. The opponent hasn't gone there naturally. But, so that goal should have been allowed for me. But the but the law doesn't allow for that because the law doesn't allow for the consequence of that. So you can't, in theory, allow the goal. Therefore, you must you must bring in Doxham. Yeah. You must then say... Okay. You're using, the thing is, Mike, you're using common sense. You're, you're using common sense. And the problem I have is there doesn't seem to be any common sense being used. <coughs> and, you know, by, by the people in VAR, and that is opened. Um, and, and it is entirely VAR because they didn't show him the push. No. Mm. Well, it's just yeah. like VAR when they when they didn't when you know, they showed the still a cases, wasn't it? They didn't show you know anything else. As I say, just it's just an embarrassment now. It's an absolute embarrassment. The you know, the way the way game in, game out, there are so many horrendous decisions. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how many decisions have gone against Wolves, you know, how many decisions have gone against Nottingham Forest. But as I say, it just seems 
you know, every time you're watching a game on the telly with somebody watching, you know, you, you've got you've got all those who are just football fans who watch a decision once and you'll say, what you de- what do you think the decision is? And yet those who are so-called elite officials, you've got somebody who can make make right and wrong decision. But they're protecting the referee's ego. It's as though what they're doing, what clearing up your error means is we're protecting the on-field referee because we don't want to make him look a fool. And well, to me... Yeah, I was going to say, don't you think it's a sad state of affairs when a major television company has a programme on after every weekend to highlight the the decisions made by referees, whether they be right or wrong, ref watch. What's all that about? Why why have you got to dedicate half an hour or an hour, whatever it is, to an ex-referee, either making apologies for the decisions that have been made or in very few circumstances going the other way saying no they were wrong. Yeah. You know what what's it all about? It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And that ref support he, he doesn't quite get whoever's doing that, he keeps coming out and saying, well, you know, you don't you don't moan about a player who misses an open goal or you don't moan about a player who who a defender who makes a mistake. The difference is is that if you've got if you've got a coach in the um, sitting in a in a TV box somewhere, you can press a button, and then sort of make the defender or the striker make a different decision. He would do it, but the referees have got the biggest safety net in the world yeah. <clears throat> with somebody sitting. And rather than and it's as Stephen Warnock said what on one of those ref watch shows, he said surely it must be about is the decision right or is the decision wrong. Yeah. Exactly it, right. It it can't be. It can't be. Well, is that a massive error? Is it a penalty or isn't it a penalty? So you can't sit there and say, in in, in Stockley Park and say, oh, by the way, I can understand. Yeah, why exactly right. he's given right. So I will go with him, but it's the wrong decision. How can mm-hmm. you? How can you? That, that's your and surely. I mean, if I was. If I was refereeing a game and and I had you on VAR, Mike, right, and you were the assistant VAR piece, and I made the decision in a game, I would much rather you say to me in the ear, by the way, Les, I think you've got that decision wrong. Because if you then correct my decision, the correct decision is going to be given to that particular team. And then there's not going to be this massive fallout and discussion points about what decision have been made. So the mm. correct decision will be made thanks to you and Pete. Get me out of the ship, basically. Yeah, this is this is this whole clear and obvious. I hate it when they say, uh, well, uh, if if it's not been overturned by VAR, if the on-field ref had given it the other way, it also wouldn't have been mm. overturned by VAR. What's that all about? There is only one right outcome from it. Exactly. So, so, so if if VAR, which has a better view of the decision, um, is going to go with the ref regardless of which way he's gone, then we whole system's rubbish. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So so to me, the way they've got VAR at the minute, it's not about getting the correct decision; it's about protecting the referee. Yeah, that's that's the conclusion I've come to. 
It's about protecting the referee and thinking, right, you've made the wrong decision, but I know why you've made the wrong decision, so I'm going to support that wrong decision. And it's just like mm -hmm. you, marking a maths paper and thinking, right, I can see all the working out there. I can see how he's got to that answer. It's the wrong answer, but I'm going to give him the mark anyway because I can see how he's got the wrong answer. <laughs> it, it's it's it, bizarre, it, isn't it? It, it, it? The process <laughs> should be very, very simple. In that situation, take the first goal. In that situation, if the VAR went, I don't think there's any contact. He doesn't have to be absolutely certain. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure there's, there's no, no contact. Call him over. If the ref looks at it and goes, I still go with me on field, then fair enough. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? You've just, you've just, it's another thing. The other thing that you can do is say, I think you need to go and look at this again. Have another look at it, you know, and just see what you think when you see it, you see it in normal in normal play, and then make mm. your decision. But surely it's all about getting the decision right. As soon as they as soon as they say to the on field ref, go and have a look, you know it's gonna be overturned. You know that if you know it's you just know that. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. It just—it's like you say. There should just be a, a right and wrong answer, and not one of these. Oh well, you know, um, we'll back up. I think there was a statement a bit earlier on. Was it the end of last season or earlier this season that someone admitted that they didn't want to get the mace on field into trouble, so they went with the decision even though it was Might wrong. Be. Yeah. So, uh, I, I've always, I've always, I'll say it again. I've always been an advocate of VAR because I thought it would take out any ambiguity and in fairness it's causing more stress and incredible you know incredulous at some of the decisions the way that they come to them and like I say at least last night um it didn't affect the results but it, it could well have affected the result you know yeah so so as I say then you know we can't seem to kill the game off and Mike and how long comes the old go and um Yo, know, Diaz, to be fair, had the chance just before that that he should have done a little bit better with the thought, but it was another decent save from the keeper. Let's let's sort of give the keeper a little bit of credit. And then I thought he'd actually he got a bit lucky with the assist for Diogo. But Diogo, as Diogo does, you know, stuck the ball in and we could relax for the last for the last few minutes. But it took it took like just on ninety minutes for that to for us to be able to relax and think we're now going back to the top of the table. Mike? Yeah, I love Diogo. I, I, I absolutely love Diogo. I've even, he's even my, he's even my, uh, he's even my lock screen on my phone now. I just love him. I just, if you, if you have him, uh, if you have him, you've always got a chance. If you remember the Spurs game, uh, yeah. Where where we were three nil up and got to three all. You've always got a chance with him again. Leicester in the League Cup where it was three all and he got the equaliser. He, he's a man for he's a man for those goals, isn't he? And uh, and he just massive sigh of relief. Um, as Klopp says, he still misses his chances, but he gets in there. He finds the positions that that you know that. We don't have anybody else doing that in the in the box, and I, I just love him. I just you just got to keep him fit. Yeah, yeah, 
Pete, good finish by Diogo. Yeah, I think, like Mike says, he, he seems to just anticipate positions. He, he gets himself into positions that maybe others, he, he, they react to it. And he's more, he's more proactive. He's there waiting for the ball. And, you know, the finish last night, you could say he got a little bit lucky because he, he sort of went through the keeper. But I think the keeper had made that many saves last night. So I think we deserved something. Um, where he, he got something a little bit wrong, if you want. But his finish was sublime, to be honest. And like you say, when he comes on, you always just think there's going to be a goal here because of, of what he does. He's, he's such a, a busy bee around the box. He's, he's like, he sniffs out all these chances and he took it well. And um, yeah, I mean, thoroughly deserved three points. Um, but yeah, it could have been a little bit easier. But can I mention me, me ref watch myself? Yeah, go on, Pete. Um, there were three advantages that Thierry played last night. And we profited from two, the two goals. If you look at them back, Nunes got a close on the by on the sideline and he, he waved play on and Nunes got up and sprinted into position and scored the goal. And then the second goal, uh, I think Endo got a close in the midfield and once again Thierry played advantage and we profited from that. The one that we nearly caught nearly didn't was when Endo gave the ball away. There was a foul. Yeah. I think it was about yeah. five or ten minutes to go. Yeah. And Endo, it was his only mistake, really, of the night, I think. And he played a square ball straight to their guy who, who who sort of dragged it just wide of the post. Now, I think once the Burnley player got the ball, I think he should have blew up. It was only a couple of seconds after the initial foul. But as much as I don't want to lord Mr Tierney because he hurt so much, I thought he did well on the two the he played advantage and we actually got goals from. He could well have blew the whistle early. And then in that, we'd have only had a free kick in a position, you know, that didn't really hurt Burnley. So maybe give him a couple of ticks for that. But yeah, for some of the other decisions, we can we can talk about them all nice. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, you, you've got to give him a little bit of credit where it's due sometimes. Yeah. You'll be getting the message from Jonathan now instead of instead of Tommy. <laughs> because you defended, especially, especially, uh, Mr. Thierry. So I've not, I've not defended him, but yeah. I just think that, as I say, sometimes when, when referees do, not just blow the whistle straight away, uh, as he did for for, for Gakpo's goal, where maybe you know he should have had a bit of thought about it. But yeah, there was, as I say, there were three advantages he played. And two of them we, we, we scored from. The, the end of one, he should have blew up straight away once possession was lost because it was literally a couple of seconds from the initial yeah. foul. But uh, it came out all right in the end. So I deserve, I deserve win, Mike. And, and we're, we're top of the table until at least you know, the final whistle goes in the Arsenal v West Ham game tomorrow night. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It, it? it is great. And you do think that Arsenal probably beat West Ham, but strange things up. I thought Villa beat Sheffield uh, United. so uh, And I thought Villa, Villa at 2-0 up would beat Man United. So, you know, who knows? Uh, all we can do is keep winning. All we can do is keep winning. Yeah, that's it. So, Pete, who was your player of the match? Um, once again, there was, there was some, some good... Performances. I thought the two centre backs played well. They didn't come under immense pressure from Burnley, but that's a credit once again to to the to the defenders. Um, I thought Nunes had a lively game. I was glad to see him get his goal, get that monkey off his back. Salah, but 
I think overall, apart from the one mistake that I've, I've literally just mentioned from Endo, I thought he had a really good game. So I'd give it to Endo in midfield. Mark, who'd you go for? Uh, oh, I, 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 I echo everything. I'd love to give it to Jota for just coming on and, um, and, and putting us all out of our misery. Uh, Virgil was superb. Um, Joe Gomez did nothing wrong all game. Um, thought uh, if, if we were doing it on the first 40 minutes, he might have given it to Gakpo because I thought he had a really yeah. good first half. Yeah. But I, I'd give it to Endo as well. I thought Endo, it's it's so good and so reassuring to see. And maybe when everyone's fit, it means that McAllister can play further forward and Endo stays in the team. Yeah. I think um I think if I'm right though, if I've if I've read it right, I think Endo's going to some Asia Cup games. Asia Cup, yeah. yeah. So it's just, just our luck that now Endo's sort of played himself into that number six role. Um you know, we could be, we could need McAllister back to to go back to that role, which really isn't his. But you know, he's played for most of the season. But yeah, I agree with you, Mike. If Endo and McAllister were fit, um, along with Sobersley, that could be our first choice midfield. To be honest, let McAllister play further forward because we saw, you know, we saw the the last couple of games before he got injured. Um, you know what he can do playing further forward. You know, with, with you know the goal he scored at Anfield, and then. The one he almost replicated at Bramall Lane until he got the injury. Yeah, just had a look. The Asia Cup is the 12th of January to the 10th of February. And you have to think, with all the teams that are in there, um, you know, Lebanon and yeah. Tajikistan and stuff like that, Japan are going to be in there quite a long time. Yeah, they'll go a long way, yeah. So... As I say, my man of the match last night, I think I thought Endall gets a, a real good mention. I thought Joe Gomez again was good, but I had to go for Virgil. I just thought he was the way he, he had control and, and get the back four. And also uh, another mention for Kwanzaa, <clears throat> who when required, did all that was asked of him. And, you know, again, looked like he'd been, he'd been playing in the Premier League for many, many a year, and not just a, a 19-year-old in his first season. So, I thought, for me, I'd, I'd just give it to Virgil, but I thought Endo was excellent and has proved you know, his critics wrong so far, and I think he's been an astute signing. And as Mike sort of said before, you know, people, people expect um, you know, a lot of these players to come in and um, and hit the ground running straight away. You know, Fabinho needed time. And um, you know, he got that time and proved his worth for a for a good few seasons. And I think Endo deserved that, you know, that same that same courtesy, if you like, of of sort of, you know, learning about a new league, learning how his manager wants to play, and learning about, you know, his teammates around him. And you can see him game by game getting Better and better and better. But for me, Virgil was just Virgil last night and he looks back to his to his Virgil best. So Virgil gets it for me. So Pete, we move on now to a bit, bit of a preview against Newcastle, who suffered a shock home defeat by by Nottingham Forest earlier in the day yesterday. So can you have you had your have you had your pen and paper out? 
I have indeed, yeah. And just to mention on the game, I thought Forrest thoroughly deserved to win. He could have won by more, to be honest, if they weren't so profligate in front of goal. Um, but yeah, they've got a rocky patch, Newcastle. They lost at Luton as well, so I'm sure they'll want to come down and try and um, try and put things right. So it's, it should be a good game, New Year's Day. I've gone, um, I've gone Ali, um, Trent, Virgil. I put Canati ahead of Quanser. I think Canati might get the nod. And Joe Gomez at left back. Endo, as I say, number six. Soberslai. And I've gone for Gravenberch as a starter. It could well have been Elliot, it could have been Jones, but I've picked Gravenberch. And then I've I've picked Saladun as and I've with it with the, a few days that we've got left, I've put Jotter in from the start, so I think he might get a start in there against Newcastle. Mike, what do you think of uh, of Pete's team? I, I I mean I think I'll have a a couple of changes to that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 so, I think Jones will start rather than Graham Birch. And, and I just wonder whether the game has come too quickly for Jota to start. I'd love him to be in a position to start. Um, but I wonder if the game has come too quickly. Um, and, and in terms of, who he picks to go with Mo? It, it, it's anyone's guess. It depends on who's who's playing well. I I, I wonder if if it were me, I, I'd probably pick Gakpo and Nunes because I, I don't think Diaz is in the greatest form at the moment. But uh, with Jota to come off the bench when needed, I, I just think it's a bit soon to go straight back in. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with. I can't see Diogo starting just yet, Pete. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you for why. I think that the the main thing for Diogo will be to keep him in Cottonwood, get him on the bench because we'll need him hundred yeah. percent. Um, when um when Mo goes to the Afcon, and the last thing we will want is to start him against against Newcastle. And then he breaks down, and then you've also got then you've got a massive problem. Then, so I can see, I can see Nunes, and I think Diaz will start. I think Dempsey will start, and I think Gakpo will be on the bench. Um, and we'll um, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. And I also think that McAllister could be on the bench against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So, all being well, you know that will be yeah. Uh, you know, that would be my... And I'd have Curtis in as well, sorry. I'd have Curtis in instead of Gravenberch. But the rest of my team would be would be the same. And although Newcastle, you know, a little bit of a iffy form at the minute, I think you've got to, um, you've got to turn up with respect um, yeah. and go in with the right attitude and come away with the, with the, three, with the three points. Um, so, yeah. So, fingers crossed that we... Um, you know, we do the business and, and and keep up the pressure at the top of the league. So we'll go for I'll ask you for your for your prediction now, Pete. Um <clears throat> probably I'd go with two 0 against Newcastle. But the Reds, obviously. Yeah, Mike. I'll I'll go with three one. I'm just reading about Jotter, it was um Klopp overruled his medical staff to even get him on the bench yesterday. Right. Oh, that that's interesting. I know I did I did I did read something last night that when Diogo said that he he, he actually wasn't expecting to be in the squad yeah. and he gone home 
and he, and he got he was... called back to travel with the squad and it was the fact that he was in the squad. He said he had his family at the game because they're all over from from Portugal. So it was special that he that he scored. Yeah. But three one for him. Yeah, so interesting. So what are you going for, Mike? Sorry. Three one. Yeah, I think I'll go I think I'll go for three nil for Liverpool on um on Wednesday. I just think that as has been hinted, I think that you know somebody's gonna get a bit of a hiding sometime. And I think if we get an early goal, I think you know we could really push Newcastle to the sword and just think that you know, we keep the pressure on at the top of the league. And who knows, as Mike said before, you know, West Ham gets something off Arsenal, we could consolidate our you know, our position at the top of the table. But, you know, certainly we're in we're in the mix at the minute for the for the race to the title more than we were last season. And I think Jed P put up something on Twitter last night to say the last time we had this amount of points after this amount of games, Liverpool went on to win the title. So, so let's hope that that that's a, a second home and that that comes well after you know goes along with the West Ham one. In the last time we beat West Ham in the quarterfinals of the the League Cup, as it was then, we won both the League Cup and the League in the same season. So you can you you know, you think about it and you and you start to get excited, but then you think there's a there's a long way to go and plenty of twists and turns to go and ups and downs, and you just hope that. You know, come the come the end of the season, that uh, you know after the final whistle's blown against Wolves, then it's Liverpool that at the after summit and and third time lucky in the last game of the season against Wolves. So fingers crossed, lads. So just before we go, I'd just like to to ask you what you, two things really, please. Who's been your your player of twenty twenty three? Not so much your player of the season. Um, what's your most memorable moment of 2023? I'll ask you the same thing, Mike, but but seeing this is our last podcast of the year, I'll I'll sort of ask you I that think, question. I think the obvious sort of highlight, I suppose, was the 7-0, but if, if you put that to one side, it's something that Mike, Mike mentioned earlier on, and it was that 4-3 game against Tottenham when you went through all the emotions of being 3-0 up posting being pegged back only to see Richarlison do his stupid bloody pigeon dance in front of me three three. And then for Jota to Jota to sneak the winner. Well not even sneak, but to, to be quite like a cold blooded assassin really. And I think I was appreciative of it because I'm so close to the Tottenham fans where you know the away fans where I am. And they were all celebrating as if they'd won something. Uh, only for Jota to only for Jota to bring them down. But, you, you mean, the 7-0 obviously sticks out against United. Um, you know, who, who thought at 1-0 at half-time we were going to be coming out the ground 50, 55 minutes later celebrating 7-0. It was just unreal. So there's been some really good highlights. Um, player, I think he saved us. He saved us on so many occasions. I think I'd have to mention Ali. I think some of the saves that he's brought out in important minutes of games where he's been one on one with people, and he's he's you know he's he's more or less come out on top. Like you say, he may, he may not be player of the season per se, but I think in some of the some of the saves he's made over the season, you think of the Newcastle save, you think of the save recently against Crystal Palace as well. 
Um, so I'd give it an honourable mention to to Alisson. Mate, your moment of the season, moment of the season, moment of the year, sorry, as your, your, your player of 2023. So, okay. So, I, I, I kind of split me moments of the season up. I'll, I'll give you the game of the season. The game of the season is obviously the seventh That and, and the end of that game, and when when Bobby scored the seventh, that was a proper moment. But the other one for me is Darwin Nunes getting the second at Newcastle in the 923rd minute of injury time. Uh, and for us being 10 men most of the game, when we got back into that, that was just amazing. We were actually going to get a point out of this to actually get the win. That that was just a sensational moment. I'm going to go a bit off piece with the player because if you're looking at the calendar year, he came into the team at the back end of last season and was brilliant and steadied us. And he's had a really good start to this season. I'm going to go with Curtis Jones. That, that's a nice one, that, mate. A bit, a bit different. And, yeah, I can see your reasoning. Um, for me, I, I love both your picks. But for me, to to beat United 7-0, you know what I mean? After after all we've, we've had to go through with them over the years is my moment of 2023. Um, the, the Darwin game against Newcastle, yeah, Good point. It was really, really special that you know, we're down to, to 10 men against a resurgent Newcastle. And we we beat them 2-1 with two late goals from, and brilliant goals from Darwin. So I get your point, but it's the United game for me. And I have to go with Pete and say the player of the 2023 for me is Ali. Without him, I just don't know where we'd have been, even last season, because the number of times he... He pulled us out of the mile last season. You know, was there's not enough. There's, I've got not got enough fingers on my hands to sort of count them. And the number of times he saved us this season is exactly the same. <clears throat> and I think to have the best goalkeeper in the world is a massive difference to us. And that could be the difference maker. You know, in 2024 within Virgil and the strikers we've got, because I think that could be just a little bit of a difference between being champions and not. So on that note, we'll end the podcast. I'd just like to say thanks to the contributions from Virgil, Mike's dog and Paisley mine throughout the <laughs> podcast. Um, you know, and wanting to join in and, and let, let everybody know that they were still around. So thanks to Virgil and Paisley, but many thanks to John who, who left us earlier and, and is home from Australia, to Pete and to Mike. And to all our listeners, may you have a happy and successful and healthy 2024. And as I always end the podcast by saying, just for the 97, you'll never walk alone. And see you next time.